Awesome. So if you are a super organized person and you need like headings of what it's called and things like that, um, definitely let me know. I can email you, copy my notes. But um, I've, I've dubbed this the warrior in you. Okay. So when we, when we were talking with the youth group, I asked them, what are you guys afraid of? A couple of them said, one person said, I'm, I'm afraid of being lonely. One teenager said, I'm afraid to play in front of people because he plays an instrument. Um, were random things about what people are afraid of, but I'm just going to toss this out to a couple of you real quick. Somebody tell me what you're afraid of. Anybody? Excuse me? Okay. Ashley's afraid of snakes. It's valid. What you got, Melody? Failure. That's a huge one. What you got, buddy? He's afraid of scorpions. That's valid. Those things are freaky. Anybody else? Rejection. Huge thing. Actually, the crazy thing is, is the adults that answered that, you have the same fears as our teenagers, which is amazing. All we do is we get a little older. Things are still the same within us. But the awesome thing about that is you got a God. Screen protectors. So you have a God that absolutely is for you, and he loves you. With fear comes that wonderful paralyzing feeling that, that brings on the anxious feeling, the sweating, the can't breathe, the the tears that start to stream up, the doubt. Those things all happen. Now, the, the thing that really stinks about that is that can stop you, that can take you out before you have ever started. So that can stop you before you have ever done what God has asked you to do. The call on your life can be stopped in one instance by you yielding to that fear. Now, I'm going I'm to pull a scripture out of Psalm here. So it's Psalm 118, verse 6. And uh, all my scriptures here out of the New American Standard, if you want to know what um, version I'm using. But it says, The Lord is for me, and I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, I used to have this pastor in a church plant I was part of, and he would say, Anthony, if you knew that you could not lose, what would you go out and do? If failure did not exist for you, what would you go and do? Now, people would say, like, oh, I'll go lead a crusade. I'd go do this. But I'm practical. And my response to him was always, man, I would stand on top of Everest. Because I think that is the most amazing thing in the world. You stand at the highest peak on the planet, and you can look and you swear you see around the world. I would deal with the frostbite. I would have those black, funky, off-colored digits and limbs. I wouldn't even care. If I know I'm not going to die, I'll stand on that bad boy. Now, you want to know what... I asked you guys what you're afraid of. Let me tell you what I'm afraid of. I have a paralyzing fear of death. And I understand everybody can think you're kind of crazy. This is something that we're all supposed to embrace. It's time that we get to go and be with Jesus. You get to spend for eternity in heaven. For me, everything ceases to exist. 
No, granted, there's that other side of it. There's Jesus, there's heaven, there's, there is all of eternity. But what scares me is that second that it ceases to exist. Now, my wife is up there doing live streaming, and I will tell you right now that that woman has had to, at times, hold me like I was a kid to console me in the midst of my freaking out about dying, where I'm sobbing uncontrollably, where I can't catch my breath, when the world doesn't exist to me, when the fear is so overwhelming that logic doesn't exist. Now, I have gotten better over the years, taking a lot of time to work through, a lot of time to pray through it, and that girl up there has helped me a ton. But I am no different than any of you guys. I'm, I'm a person. I have fears. Mine tends to get a little crazy at times. So that right there has taken me out more times than I can count. It has stopped me from moving on and doing something that, that I needed to get done for that day, something practical. Um, even if it was uh, ridiculous as a phone call, um, it, it stopped me from making it. Now, when that opposition stares you in the face, you have options. One, I can sit in my chair. I can stay right here. I'm not going to do anything. So when that rejection, that fear of rejection comes up, all right, um, they're probably not going to like what I have to say, so I'm going to stay right here. And that right there has already stopped you because you could have taken that time to minister to that person in some way. That fear of failure, that fear of failure will stop you from ever trying. So you have just pulled yourself out of the mix and you will not, as long as you stay in that seat, mind you, you will never go forward, Melody. You will never go and do what you're supposed to do. Even if it was just the one person that you had to impact, you will not impact that one person. Failure is not an option. Um, so, when that fear hits you, when it's in front of you, do you have the heart to stand in front of it? Or do you feel comfortable and better if I just kind of sit here and I, I just take it? Now, some people will we'll go as far as we'll, we'll talk ourselves up. How many of you guys have ever given yourself the pep talk? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. I'm glad to know I'm not the only person that's acted foolish and tried to pump myself up. I'm, I'm trying to channel old coaches, old mentors. Just do it. Come on. You can make it. Believe in yourself. You can, you can achieve anything in the world. You know, all those things. I mean, I tried to turn into like a self-help guru at times. And it, it fails miserably. Let's just, let's just be honest. All right. Um, maybe you guys sit and take time to pray. Like, Lord, I really need you just to pull me through this one. And if you're in a weird time of life, Lord, pull me through this. And I swear, I'll, I'll, I'll pray more. I'll spend more time with you. I've, I've been there before. I won't lie to you. Um, it's, it's uh, actually it's really funny. This isn't part of my notes, but I was standing here and it was weird because the nerves just kind of hit me. And speaking in front of people doesn't bother me. And um, I just took a deep breath and I put my head down. And I closed my eyes. And I felt like somebody was just like standing right next to me. And like two minutes later, Melody comes up and starts praying for me. But I, at that moment, 
when, you know, when fear started to grab me, when nerves tried to, tried to hit me, I felt like Jesus was just right there, like, I got you. It's cool. We've already spent time in this. You know what to do. Uh, prepared some hearts. I got you. And that's what he wants to do with you guys, each and every one of you. You have a God that wants to devote that time to you. You have a God that loves you so much that he would stop everything just to be with you, even if it's just for a second, just to hold your hand through it all, through your biggest fears, your biggest doubts, your biggest worries. He's just got you. He's right there. Um, Now, I want you to go ahead and turn with me uh, to Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. So it says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. Again, what can mere man do to me? In that moment of fear, you can put your trust in God. You should put your trust in God, even if it seems ridiculous, even if it's too difficult. Put that trust in God. Because what can man do to you? Now, here's... (laughs) So it's, it's, there's a video clip that's queued up. Now, I'm going to kind of set this up for you a little bit. Um, we try to use some visual stuff to really captivate the teenagers and, and help to drive home the point that we've got. Um, how many of you guys, guys and gals in here, how many guys have ever seen Rocky? If you haven't, we're going to pray for you afterwards because you're missing out. So this scene is from Rocky IV. And honestly, I hated this scene growing up because it's dull, it's quiet. As I got older, it has to be the most powerful scene in that entire movie. And it contains the best quote, in my opinion, out of every single Rocky movie ever made. So as you may or may not know, in, in Rocky IV, this big gentleman kills his friend in the ring. He kills Apollo Creed in the ring. While Rocky's standing there, he watches it. And he's got nothing else in the world to do except for defend his friend's honor. And he's going to do that without consulting his wife, without doing anything of the sort, consulting anybody. He accepts this challenge. I will go fight you. I will fight you on your turf. After the press conference, his wife gets overwhelmed with reporters and... She's just waiting for him. So, um, Talia, if you're ready, let's go ahead and cue this one up. That's right. If that does not fire you up to go out and, like, pick a fight with the biggest, baddest person you've ever seen in your life, I don't think anything will. But for every married guy in this room or anybody in a relationship, he said one thing that was amazing. He's like, Adrian always tells the truth. He's got his wife there. And he knows, hey, I'm not going to pick this fight. He could have yelled at her. You're telling me I can't do this. You know me better than that. You're doubting me. You're telling me this guy's going to kill me. You sleep next to me every night. You see me in the morning. You know my morning breath. You know my bad days. And you know my good. And you're going to doubt me. Now, the coolest thing he said was, Adrian always tells the truth. Maybe, Maybe I can't beat him. Baby, you're always right. You don't lie to me. You don't pull punches. Adrian always tells the truth. Now, what gets me, the coolest line in every Rocky movie ever made, he said, to beat me, he's going to have to kill me. To do that, 
He has to have the heart. He's got to be man enough to stand in front of me. But to do that, he's got to be willing to die himself. And he goes on to say, I don't know if he's ready to do that. I am. I don't know if he's ready to do that. Even as he's walking away, you can tell in his brain he's thinking, do you really have that heart? Can you stand in front of me, a man that's half your size, willing to go toe-to-toe with you and to die? Are you willing to do that too? You're going to put it all on the line. Now, that right there, that's cinema greatness. It's amazing. With, With that particular Rocky movie, I see so much of David in it. And it's, it's awesome. So, David and Goliath, Rocky and Drago. You got this little dude, and you got this massive guy. You got this guy that looks like he can, I, I, I might be able to irritate you. I can kill you. Can eat like two drumsticks and be full for a week. A side of beef, give me more. Now, huge difference in between these two. Now, the cool thing about David is the warrior that was inside of him was cultivated when nobody else was around. Nobody was out there in the pastures while this man is building that relationship with God. He's finding out who his Jesus is within inside of him. Now, as we all know, David was a shepherd. Now, their whole livelihood, the family livelihood, was wrapped up in sheep. And as we read in the Bible, David... The dude killed a lion with his bare hands. As a teenager, mind you. You look back and, um, you know, David at the time, he was, he was about a teenager. Took on a lion. Like, come on. You want to take my sheep? You want to take what's mine? You're going to have to fight for it. Talks about, then he killed a bear. And he did all of this before he even stepped foot in Goliath's direction. As a teenager, this man killed a lion, a bear, and a freaking giant. Now, those are huge things for anybody, let alone a teenager. Now, in the midst of when Goliath comes out, and he's, you know, he's taunting the Israelites, taunting them, saying horrible, nasty, vile things. Now, these grown men, these trained soldiers, they're backing away from the fight. This man's going to kill me. Forget it. I guess I'm going to be a slave. I got nothing else. Now, when those men backed up, David, he knows who God is. He knows that God has made him to be a a victorious warrior. God made him not to take mess from anybody. David, he ran towards the battle. It didn't matter. He ran towards something he was almost guaranteed to, to lose. And this man took off at a dead sprint for it. Now, if we look in, I'm going to pull 1 Samuel 17, verse 24. It says, When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him, and they were greatly afraid. Grown men. And this little guy, he's like, I'm, I'm in. Count me in. I'm right here. Yeah, cool. The king promised his daughters and other stuff, whatever. This guy's talking a lot of mess about my God. He's talking a lot of mess about my people. Let's do this. Now, the warrior that's inside of David is what sprinted. He didn't walk. He didn't try to carefully map out his steps to meet the giant. He took off at a dead run. He went Olympic sprint at this guy. Now, 
looking around the room, a few of you might know who this artist is. One of my favorite artists. Anybody know who DMX is? I'm looking off to my left here. There are younger people here. You guys know X. All right. So, Bill, I like it. Um, one of my favorite lines, he's got a couple of, of amazing lines. One of my favorite lines, he says, if the dog's in the ring, then the dog's going to fight. Meaning, I'm here, there's nowhere to run. It's going to be a fight. And I'm going to be the one to come out. But, my favorite one, now we don't have many ripple effectors in here, so they can't really help me. I'm going to explain this to you, and I need you guys to respond in kind. So, his song is called We're Right Here. Now, in that, he says, bring it. And then he answers himself, what? We're right here. Except for he does it really, really animated. Um, Scott, I'm going to be a little loud, man. Maybe I want to cover the baby ears. Thank you. So, now, I'm going to demonstrate. First, I need you guys to follow up behind me. So, X, he says, bring it! What? We're right here. So, now, you guys followed me a little bit. But, I need you to really follow me with that enthusiasm. Come on. Bring it! What? We're right here. Instead of we're, though, I'm right here. I'm right here. No matter what's in front of me, I'm right here. Now, let me explain this to you guys. I, I clean cars for a living. It's my business. I work for everyday people, and I work for people with a great deal of money. So I'm cleaning a car one day, and this wonderful fear of death hits me. And I feel it. I start breathing. I start breathing. Okay, I can feel the tears welling up. <sighs> can I do this? Okay, I, I, I got this, Lord. I got this. I got this. And I realize I can't. I don't got it. I'm, I'm failing miserably. So out of my desperation, I walk to the end of this lady's driveway. And I stand up on this really big rock. Mind you, I am in a neighborhood of multi-million dollar homes. And you got this guy standing on a rock. Ready to fight death. Bring it! I'm right here. I am right here. Sorry, Cap. If you want me, you gotta take me. If you, if you're gonna pull me out of here, you're gonna have to fight. If you wanna take me with you, if you wanna end this time, you wanna take away the time for my wife and my babies, you better fight harder than this. Cause it's gonna be a dog fight. I've, I've said it many a years. My wife can tell you. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. The opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus is amazing. But I don't want to go tomorrow. I got stuff to do tomorrow. We got things to do. All those things. So it's going to be a fight to take me out of here. Death, if you want to come knock at my door, you better bring an army. And then you probably better grab a couple more because those guys might get tired before me. In the midst of my fear, 
facing the one thing that I am afraid of most on this planet. I'm not afraid of people. I'm not afraid of spiders and snakes. Man, I sure am afraid to die, though. In that moment, I'm willing to stand in the face of death. Challenge you. Come on, come at me. You want to do this? Let's do this. Do you think you got me? You don't. And it's in that moment, that's what David knew. That is what he channeled. David channeled this inner warrior that says, I know who's behind me. I know who's trained me. I know who I'm going to spend eternity with. But it ain't going to be today. Bring it. Come get me. Come. You bring everything you got and then some. And you're still not going to get me. What obstacle do you need to stand in front of? What do you need to get in the face of? What do you need to defy that is trying to defy you? The very thing that taunts you. The very thing that just eats and pulls and and, and torments your soul at times. What is it? Now, think about that. Now think about it. To beat you. It's going to have to kill you. Because the call on your life is greater than that fear. To do that, you got to have the heart to stand in front of me. And to do that, you got to be willing to die yourself. I'm ready. I'm right here. I'm at the battle line. It's on. Are you willing to die? Are you willing to meet me you better face your fear. One of us is going to meet Jesus today. Ain't going to be me. We got relationship. We're going to pray and talk after this. Ain't going to be my day in heaven today. And one of the coolest examples of, of knowing that, that Jesus outside of David Joshua and Caleb. Now, Joshua and Caleb were part of the 12 spies sent out to spy out the promised land. Now, 10 of these people come back. Two of them have a separate report than the 10. Now, it says, um, we're going to pull up Numbers 13, 27 through 31. I believe it's in there, Talia. So, here's the 10. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of, I think it's Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the, in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. That's ours. That's ours. The one that is in us has that. That's our land. I don't care what stands in front of me. And he has. But the men who had gone up with him said, We're not going to be able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. Now, Real quick, people often forget that 
or maybe not often, I shouldn't say that. Some people forget that Joshua and Caleb were the only two that were allowed in the promised land besides the people that were 20 years and younger. They trusted God. God had set this thing up. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to let you roll over these people. This is your land to possess. Go get it. Who's going to come back and trust me? Who's going to say, we can do this? Joshua, Caleb, two younger guys. Only ones that had the heart. The rest of them looked at the fear. They looked at that fear and they sat in their seat. And for that, they were never allowed to enter the promised land. They had to wander for the next 40 years in the desert. Died in the desert while their kids got to see it. Now, the coolest thing about that is, is those guys, Joshua and Caleb, they refused to accept defeat. They refused to accept failure. It wasn't an option. Because God has already delivered this into our hands, and we know this. Now, they had that mentality, and they had that fight in them. To beat me, they're going to have to kill me. To do that, they're going to have to have the heart to stand in front of me. To do that, they're going to have to be willing to die. The God inside of me, the Jesus inside of me, the one that has given us this land is so much bigger than they are. I'm not afraid. Even if I'm shaking under my armor, I'm not afraid. I'm going to go at it. Now, that was... That right there, that little line from Rocky, that's the heart of a warrior. That right there, that's that's the warrior's heart. That's the one that... That's the one that was in our Jesus when he died. Went to the gates of hell. The gates of hell to take back the keys. That died and... I'm going to make sure that you're forgiven. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But I'm going to freely give it to you. There's we, If you have or haven't seen The Passion of the Christ, it's a difficult movie to watch at times. But this one scene is is amazing and it really drives home that point it's when Jesus is getting whipped it's the hardest thing to watch because you see this innocent man and he's just taking it he's getting lit up and you can watch this you can watch his body rip open and there's this one part where he he hits the ground and what does he do he gets back up in the midst of beating his body until he just he was at that point that any other person, a lesser man, would have died. I'm going to give up and I'm going to die right here. Forget the cross. Forget anything else. I'm dying here because this hurts. Our Jesus, he got back up. Because he said, one of these days Anthony's going to screw it up. And he's going to need this extra lash. One of these days Kat's going to be hurt. She's going to need this extra lash. One of these days Marie can't handle it. And she's going to need this lash. One of these days, Bill is going to have a hard day. And he's going to feel like giving up. And so he needs this extra whipping. I'm going to get back up. And I am going to make sure that I take this for them. Because they can't do it. Because they can't do it. It's in the midst of that that you really, we got to dig down where we can't take it, where we feel like we can't stand up again. And you got to dig down deep. 
you got to find that place that David had. You got to find that place that Joshua and Caleb had. You got to find that place that I have to force myself to get into, where you got to get up in front of your opposition, where you have to taunt it, where you have to dare it to defy you, to defy your God, to take you out. And in that moment, watch the person next to you that's going to hold your hand. Watch that extra little bit of courage come in. Feel your muscles get a little tighter. Feel the one that made you start to just come in there and love you. Psalm 18 is one of my favorites. And this one line in there says, He trains my hands for war. That was no accident. Because there was going to be a time in your life when you needed your hands trained for war. Men, women, I don't care. You ladies are just as feisty. You guys know it. We're not going to have to have this discussion. Women can be feisty. And we all love you for it. He's trained your hands for war just as much as he has the men. Fellas, in the midst of your fear, we can kind of, we can pretend through it. Not time to pretend. Your God has trained your hands for war. He has made you to defeat that that stands in front of you. He has made you, each and every one of you, ladies, He has made you to stand in front of what stops you, what refuses to let you go forward, the wall that gets put in front of you. He has made you to go through it. He's made you to bust the wall. He's trained your hands for war. You can do this. There is no doubt. Failure is not an option. You absolutely will not and cannot fail because your God is for you. The one that created the heavens and the earth created you and he's got you. Now, I want to go ahead and turn into to 1 Samuel. So we're going to go at 1746. Now, this is going back to David. And this is uh, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. So, when Goliath is taunting, when he is just bad-mouthing these people, when he is bad-mouthing their God, here's this little runt of a teenager. He says, This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I am not only going to kill you, I am going to take your head off in front of all your people. I am going to take your people and I am going to slaughter them so that the beasts on this earth and the birds in the sky are not hungry tonight. They will eat their fill and they might even have some leftovers. I refuse to accept that you are going to kill me. I refuse to accept that you are going to beat me, that you are going to enslave my people because the God that is in heaven, the one that has trained me, the one that I know I spend time with, he's on my side. That's the one right there. And on this day, because of him, you're all mine. Not just them, but you, big man. And I'm coming to get you. And that David, that small teenager, that little guy that Goliath had taunted earlier, talking about, you know, you send a little dog after me. I'm going to nip at your ankles. I'm going to annoy you. 
That kid took off running at a dead sprint. He was going for the gold medal right there. I'm coming to get you. Goliath maybe have taken a step, like, okay, I got this, whatever. David sprinted. He didn't hesitate. The warrior in him met the battle. The warrior inside of each one of you has to meet the battle. Even when it hurts, when you're afraid, you got to stand in front of that thing and tell it to bring it. Because in that moment, it's that make or break moment inside of each one of us that secures that call or runs away from that call. And in each one of you, there is that amazing call. If your life was meant to just lead one person to Jesus, that was all the souls you were going to get, that's still one person that you gave eternal life to. And that is worth everything. Because somebody took the time to, to bring this Jesus to you to save your life. The one thing that you would sell out everything for. If you, praise God, if you were, if you're destined to, to lead a hundred thousand people to Jesus, you rock, boom. But you are worth the one. You are worth every ounce of pain, every drop of blood, sweat, even that agony that Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me? I'm cut off from you right now. This is lonely. You were worth that just so that you might live. That right there, you guys, that's worth everything. That right there is why you get up out of your seat. That right there is why you refuse to back down. That right there is why you kick through your wall rather than just stare at it. I look around, I don't, I don't see a single person that can't do this. Even if you're afraid, I don't see a single person that can do this. I don't care if you got a, a bad foot, a bad back, a bad knee, a bad psyche, I don't care. You guys can all do this. Did you guys um, you guys, we're, I want to make sure that, that we don't leave here today without two things first. One, that if you need prayer, if you say, I'm in the midst of the fight and I can't take this, I'm, I'm in the middle of the battle and I am so scared that I can't even walk out and face my giant. Then we want to pray for you. We got people in this church that are some loving people. They want to pray on you right now. They just want to just lead you in, in, in prayer and, and just help to push more of that courage into you. They want to help you sharpen your sword. They want to help you strengthen your muscles. And if you are too tired, then they want to stand in front of you and help you catch your breath and fight the battle side by side. And we would love to do that. Two, we want to make sure that everybody in this room knows Jesus. Anybody on that, that live stream right now that's watching, if you don't know Jesus, if you do not know this God that I'm talking about, this one that the rest of us in this room that have confessed his name, if you do not know that Jesus, 
and you would like that saving grace, reach out to us. We would love to pray for you. We would love to just guide you and help you get that eternal life.